One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. So funny, people start talking about covenant this morning. I don't know why that happens, but uh, I, uh, do you guys ever hear the salt covenant? It's not something that's often talked about. Um, I'm going to get a little tabby woolard on you. I'm going to go full out prophetic symbol on you guys. All right. <laughs> That's a little Tabby Woolard, right? Huh? All right, so I had a dream. Anybody have dreams? My life seems to suddenly change when the Lord starts speaking to me with new dreams. And I don't know why that is, but uh, I was minding my own business, just going through life about the middle of June. I have this very simple dream. And in this dream, Jesus and I are standing in my backyard. And he has a big bag of salt. And he's smiling at me. And he just starts pouring this salt. I got this big mound of salt um, piled in my backyard. And he looks at me in the eyes and he says, study the salt. And I'm like, all right, so I wake up, man. I'm like pumped. You know, I've never studied salt. Other Other than the scripture, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. I've, you know, okay, I'm salt. Okay, I know that salt flavors things, all that kind of stuff, right? But that's about the extent of me studying salt. And so, long story short, I start getting heavy into understanding salt. And um, David, uh, whenever David was moved into Jerusalem to become king, um, David's heart was for the Lord to such a degree that he looked around the house looked around his, his kingdom and he says, I have this amazing place to lay and rest my head, but the Lord has no resting place, right? Because the, the presence of God was still the ark, right? And Nathan, functioning as basically a friend at the time, he wasn't in his prophet mode, he was as a friend, he hears David say, oh yeah, let's build God a house. And Nathan says, yeah, let's build him a house, Right? So Nathan goes on his way, goes to bed that night, and the Lord wakes Nathan up. And he says, go tell David this. And there were three things that Nathan was instructed to tell David. Number one was, David, you'll not build me a house. I'm making you a house. You are the house of God. You will carry me, right? And because of that, David had access to the ark in a time where even the priest could not go in and touch the Ark of the Covenant without being struck if, if they did not have blood on them, David could actually lay in the shadow of the wing of the cherubim that were on the Ark. He laid there in, in the actual presence of God. Right? So the pro- one of the prophecies was, I will make you a house. So that David himself would carry the presence of God. Amen? Number two was that David's descendants would be placed on thrones. That God would honor David to such a degree because of David's heart for God that David's descendants would be placed on thrones as rulers, as kings. 
Okay? And the connection piece with Jesus is Jesus is the King of Kings, right? And that we are priests and kings. And we are the royal priesthood. We are the ones that can touch that ark. We can lay under the shadow of the wing, right? But number three, number three is that God would be an enemy to David's enemies. That no matter what David came against, it wasn't David that went against the enemy. It was God Himself. And that, those three things are the promises of the salt covenant. Okay? Um, in, in Second Chronicles, the co- they actually discussed the, that particular covenant with David as the salt covenant. And the power of salt, you know, us prophetic guys and the power of salt being a symbol and what it's meaning as one of the, one of the um, prophecies, one of the miracles that Elisha worked was that the land and the river in, in um, one of the areas where Elisha ministered, was it was contaminated. It was bitter water. The people couldn't even drink the water. Think about this. There was pain in the water. There was hurt in the water. There was misery in the water. The, the water didn't produce life. The water produced pain. Okay? And so Elisha um, was led by the Lord to take salt throw it in the river, and from the moment that Elisha prophesied the salt, the power of the salt in the river, the, that river was turned sweet. The bitter waters, the, the painful waters, the hurtful waters were all transformed in a moment when the salt was put into the water. Okay? And so the significance of that is that you know, people see Jesus as a son of God, but God Himself prophesied that Jesus would come as the son of David. There's prophecies in the book of Isaiah that say that the key of David would rest upon the shoulder of Christ and that Christ would restore the tent of David, the presence, the place where, the pre- where David thirsted after the presence of God. Jesus didn't come to restore the fallen temple where they had to worship with, worth, with uh, the blood of bulls and goats that didn't have the power to cleanse the conscience. God Himself prophesied that Jesus would come as the Son of David and He would restore the fallen down tent. Meaning restore the place where the presence of God rested upon the people. And they expected in God to such a degree that everywhere they walked, that they would declare that the Lord Himself is an enemy to my enemies, an adversary to my adversaries. That nothing could stand against me. Not power, nor might, nor principality, not anything evil, not even broken relationships, nothing could overcome the heart of a man or a woman who walked with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You with me? <laughs> so, you know, this, this, this thing about um, outpouring, you know, the Lord started challenging me. Um, after, after I had the dream, after I woke up, I kind of went Tabby Willard on salt, Right? I, I, I went to the store and I, I bought one of these bags. You can ask my wife. I went out to my backyard and I literally started to prophesy and pour salt in my backyard. Okay? And then the Lord started unctioning me to go to the courthouse in Parkersburg and start pouring salt on the, on the courthouse. And I don't, know this, I don't know if you understand the significance of a courthouse in a city, but I started to pour salt and... and um, I'm just prophesying that you guys are going to be so undone with the salt covenant that you're going to begin pouring salt in this land. 
And this land is not going to have a chance. Okay? Everything evil, everything bitter, everything broken, everything that, that um, has overcome the people in this land is not going to have a chance because you are a salt people. You are the salt of the earth. You are of Christ. You are a victor. You are above and not believe. You are the head and not the tail. You are the power of the Holy Ghost. You are the voice of the Spirit. You are the voice of the Spirit, the prophetic people of God who dwell in the house, the tent of David, in the place where God Himself is with you. Now, (laughs) after I did the courthouse, I did some other places, the Lord even woke me up and, and unctioned me to go to the place that orphaned me. The church that orphaned me. I had to go, the Lord, the Lord led me, and I started pouring salt and declaring restoration over the house that orphaned me. It takes some guts, man. I didn't want to. <laughs> i got to be honest with you. I did not want to. But I had to believe this, the power of the salt. The power of love is greater than fear. The power of love, it conquers all things. And in the essence of not just the power of God, that He is with you, that He's an enemy to your enemies, that, that love actually conquers fear. Love breaks through fear, right? And so I did that. And then the Lord started talking to me about a state, state of Ohio, you might have heard of it. You ever hear of Ohio? And the, when the Lord starts to talk to a prophetic guy about something, it's because the Lord wants to connect the guy to something, Okay? He wants to connect a church to something, wants to connect a house to something, wants to connect people to something, wants you to care for something that you didn't care for before. And so after I kind of I I followed through with where the Lord unctioned me to pour out this salt, I had this I had this crazy dream. And I know you guys have been studying over the year. You have a certain group that has studied the seven spirits of God and uh, Isaiah 11 about the anointings, the different anointings that Jesus was clothed in. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. The spirit of knowledge, which which is actually the spirit of uh, intimacy. And the fear of the Lord. And all encompassed in the Holy Spirit. Those seven spirits, right? And so, the Lord over the last couple years, the Lord has uh, taken me down this path of having visitations from the spirit of intimacy. He then... um, Around Christmas time, started. Uh, I had visitations from the Spirit of Counsel, and now just starting in July, I've, I've started having these these encounters with the Spirit of Wisdom. And the Lord's taught me a whole lot about those. You know, understanding is a product of, of wisdom. Might is a product of counsel, and the fear of the Lord is a product of the Spirit of Intimacy, the Spirit of Knowledge. And so he, he introduced me to intimacy and knowledge. He introduced me to counsel, which is a heavenly connection. Knowledge is an intimate relationship here on earth. And then wisdom, the way the Lord actually started talking about wisdom and revealing to me the essence of wisdom is being in the right place at the right time with the right message, with the right people and the right purpose. Something, man, you may have a vision but in terms of how wisdom leads you to release and connect and make it happen, it's a supernatural force. Wisdom is a force. 
And so, I don't know, man. I just, I've been getting amped up about wisdom, right? Uh, and I've never been a wisdom guy. I've always been a word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit filled, you know, undone kind of guy. But wisdom, um, I always kind of forego wisdom. I, I didn't understand the value of wisdom. And man, the Lord has just been just bringing this understanding of wisdom to me. And anyway, wisdom, wisdom woke me up from a dream and took me in. It, I was in a dream and he woke me up in the dream. So I'm still in a dream. OK, so wisdom, wisdom wakes me up in the dream and he walks me out to these crazy serpent mounds that you guys have. You guys have serpent mounds in Newark. There's serpent mounds in southern Ohio. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, I've heard I've heard my wife talks about serpent mounds once in a while. And, you know, I've heard some different people say some things about serpent mounds. And, you know, you start studying the giants and the serpent mounds come up. But I mean, it's been years since I've been any any connection or a desire to search out anything about serpent mounds. Well, anyway, wisdom comes and it's basically telling me it's time to go to the serpent mounds. So in this dream, wisdom um, walks me out to the serpent mound and this door opens up right before my eyes. And it, it, it's like a cellar door, like um, an old time cellar door where, where it opens horizontal. It opens up and a set of steps go down and he walks me down the steps and you can look up at the serpent mound from underneath. And he starts to show me the power of the serpent mound. And from underneath, I see the serpent mound glowing like there's electricity, like there's power in the serpent mound. Okay, and I'm like, I start asking the wisdom questions about what am I seeing? He then walks me back up the steps to look in the natural. And I see these umbilical cords coming out of the serpent mounds connected to like demonic powers, like the demonic powers were getting energy from the serpent mounds. And the demonic powers throughout the state of Ohio were gaining this, this energy from these serpent mounds. And what, they, what these demonic powers would do is they would search out people and they would literally attach themselves to people. Like they would put this heavy weight on people. Um, they would actually uh, vomit on people. They would do things that, you know, I know this, I know this is kind of freaky, but I, I, I just, it's a picture Okay, it's it's how revelation happens. Revelation happens with the language of the Lord. It's a picture. It's a movie. Okay, so wisdom is teaching me all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm asking, I'm like, I'm getting mad because I'm seeing that this idol, these serpent mounds that are still worshipped. The worship of the idol, right, draws strength to the demonic powers, the principalities of powers, the rulers of darkness. And I start asking, I start asking wisdom, what do I, you know, I'm mad, what do I do? And all of a sudden salt appears at my feet. And wisdom starts instructing me to pour salt on the serpent mounts. Okay? I'm, I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what, what are you asking me to do? I'm like, are you, I'm like, are you asking me to go to the serpent mounts? Are you asking me to go... Tabby Woolard on Washington, D.C. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm, I'm asking questions that very night. I have another dream, and I think I posted this one on, on Facebook. The very that very night, I have a dream where um, I'm standing at the serpent mounds where the salt has been poured out. And this angel named the Reaper comes 
I mean, this angel is huge. It's like a hundred feet tall. And he comes and he erects this cross. It's like 200 feet high. It's so high that it like has a light on the top so airplanes won't run into it. It's like you, I know that it can be seen from the four corners of Ohio, from the whole state. And the reaper starts digging up the serpent that's hidden underneath the surface. And he takes the serpent and hangs it on the cross. Okay? And when he hangs it on the cross, he starts to speak to me about no longer will the people come to see the attraction of the serpent as a, um, as a sign or a wonder. They will come to look at the cross as the place where the serpent has been hung. Amen? And dude, from that moment on, I'm like, all right, Lord. So I had to go to Toledo the next week, right? I had I, too much for my corporate office. And, you know, my wife looks at me like I'm a little crazy because I'm a little prophetic sometimes, you know, she, you know, the connection piece sometimes. So I didn't, I didn't tell her. I told her afterward because, you know, I, I didn't want to just de- deal with, you know, potentially being crazy, right, hon? <laughs> so anyway, I go, to, I go to the store. I grab like eight of these. Right? And if you can picture this crazy guy drive, the first thing I did is um, Monday morning, I woke up real early. I drive south to, to the serpent mound, the, the huge serpent mound in, in the south. And I get like a whole, you know, four of these bags. And, you know, I got to sneak through the park because it, it is a, it's a, it's a literal park. I've got to wait till nobody's looking. I've got to grab this bag. I've got to pour out this salt. And I start prophesying that the snake is going to be hung on the cross. That Ohio is no longer a victim of the serpent. But Ohio is victorious over the serpent. Right? So I'm there a couple hours. And I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm bringing the heat, baby. I'm prophesying with all I got. I prophesied what the Lord showed me in the vision. And wisdom is saying that it's time that Ohio is no longer a victim of drugs, a victim of broken homes, a victim of sin and shame and doubt, that Ohio is subject to the vision of the serpent on the cross. Amen. So then I, go, I drive to, uh, to Toledo. I'm there for three days. And, I, and on my way back, I came through Newark. I came through your place. And I get the rest of the four bags. And I go around the backside of Newark, right, because there's a park guy cutting the grass, and I can't really be seen, right? What are you doing, right? So I take, I take, and I'm, I'm pouring the salt out up here in broad daylight in Newark. I'm surprised no, none of you saw me. I'm surprised I wasn't pictured on the front page. But I, again, I started prophesying. I started prophesying at, about the outpouring of the salt covenant of the Lord, that the Lord is with the people of Ohio, that He's an enemy to their enemies, that you, that the people, that, that you are, are kings of the king. You are sons of the king. You are kings of the king. And you will sit on thrones. You will rule over this land. You will not be a victim of what rules this land. You will be a, you will be the, the ruler of the land and that you are the house of God. You are the ones who carry the presence of God. Amen. So part of this, part of this is a recruitment process, guys. I don't know if you can feel it, but some of you are being recruited to start pouring salt out in your house, to start pouring salt out in, in your, uh, the territory around you, start pouring salt and start prophesying the promise of those who are sons of Christ, who is the son of David and what the salt has been promised to the sons of David. The salt. 
And, I can, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ himself has prophesied over you that you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Amen? Are you with me? You thought you were just coming to church today, right, Josh? <laughs> thought you were just coming to church. Anyway, so let's just talk about, um, let's just talk about the, uh, the symbolism of the serpent for a minute and what those serpent mounts really are. Anybody ever study the serpent mounts? You know, you know what they are? Yeah? <laughs> All right, Isaiah 6. The first time that I was taken to heaven back in uh, 2011, two creatures that looked like serpents, they, they, they were bronze in color, they had fiery scales all over their body. They, they, were, they had arms and legs, um, but they had coffee, coffee si- like coffee cup colored eyes, and they were really big. And when I told the story, I was kind of afraid to tell people the appearance of what I saw because I didn't understand it, and I was afraid that people would think that it was serpents that came and got me, okay, and took me to heaven. But I want to... I wanna, kind of explain to you the, the seraphim and the cherubim that surround the throne and what, what they're actually described as, okay? In Isaiah 6, it, um, when Isaiah is taken to heaven, um, he sees a throne and he sees seraphim around the throne. The word seraphim is the word seraph. It actually means fiery bronze serpent, okay? A, serp, a, 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 seraph, a, a seraphim actually was designed by God to have an appearance of a serpent. Okay? That was his original design. They guarded his throne. Okay? In Isaiah 30, verse 6, it says um, that fallen angels uh, are, are uh, actually defined as seraph. Right? They're, they're, they're fallen seraphim. Okay? And, and it's, not, it's not that they weren't designed right, it's, but they fell and they still have the appearance of how they were designed. Okay, so when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, you look you look at the story and you think, well, Satan was actually turned into a serpent to crawl on his belly. But he was actually he already had as a cherubim, he had the appearance of a serpent. He was already bronze, fiery in color, the the very um, creative power of the Lord himself to surround his throne. Okay, and when the Lord says um, when Adam and Eve were um, deceived he says to satan you will crawl on your belly my son will come and crush your head you'll bruise his heel but he'll crush your head the lord was talking and uh, basically saying you you are still a seraphim but i'm taking away your authority and i'm taking away your power okay and so the concept of a seraphim i'm just trying to set the stage for what a fallen angel is because a fallen angel is is in appearance it still has the appearance of a fiery serpent a bronze a supernatural being okay and so the reason why that's important is when you, when you start to study out um culture and the years the the generations before us going back 2000 3000 4000 years there were different groups of fallen angels 
And they were so connected with the people at the time that if you go back, if you go back and study different cultures, um, like the Philistines, you, you study, um, you study, uh, oh, let's see what it is here. You study, um, the Canaanite cultures and different things. The, even the Egyptians, they, there are writings in their own books that describe the peop, the ones who ruled over them as fiery serpents. And that doesn't get publicized a lot. But I'm trying to explain that to you because Ohio, Ohio just doesn't have two main serpent mounds. If you study Ohio, this has led me on a, a tour of searching out what Ohio is. Ohio has over 10,000 mounds in it. And Ohio, you know, the history that you perceive defines how you think forward. So if your history is screwed up, you'll have a false perception moving forward. And I believe that even America, in the discovery of America, there was a lot of history that was hidden from many of you. Okay? Because the history was that they, they discovered that Ohio and West Virginia was like the hotbed, one of the hotbeds of where the giants ruled and reigned and the serpentine spirit, the fallen angels, was, was it was a hotbed of worship. And hence you have these, you guys, has everybody been to the Newark the, and, and maybe the one down south? They're huge. What would prompt people to make an idol out of a serpent? Unless they truly were under the spell, under the power of a serpent, right? And so, what I'm, I'm trying to give you some background here because you need to connect the dots. Because one of the things of the salt covenant is that you, that you, the, you would, the Lord would be an enemy to your enemies, and you would, you would, in the power of the Holy Spirit, judge your enemy. Does anybody have a have an enemy, a demonic enemy? Does anybody deal with depression? Does anybody deal with brokenness, a broken heart? Does anybody deal with uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction? Does anybody deal with any of that stuff? The, and, and what I'm trying to connect with you is that's just not you and your flesh. See, there's a lot of wrong teaching out there that your fallen flesh is the source behind driving that junk. There's an enemy that if you don't, fight, if God is crazy enough to call a guy to wake him up and start pouring salt on serpent mounds in the middle of Ohio and drive a hundred miles out of his way west, circle up to Toledo and then drive another out of his way to circle down through Newark because I had to get salt on those mounds. If that's, if God is speaking, doesn't he le- make it legitimate that it's real? He actually um, confirms the war that you are in. That those aren't just serpent mounds, those are idols. And believe me when I say this, there are, there are uh, cauldrons, there are witches, there are people in this region giving homage to those symbols. And the Lord is saying, I'm looking to raise up a people that would pour salt on those and negate the power that that thing has and actually gives to the de- demonic powers of the region to, to continue to... to um, put this burden on people to throw up on them, to cause them to be bound in drugs, to cause them to be bound in in being orphaned, to cause them to be bound in in all this junk that many of you and your relatives have all dealt with. That just just isn't a broken family. It's It's not a broken family. 
And the Lord is looking for people to be to raise you up and to know that your prophetic voice, that you have authority and that he's calling you to actually fight what's been fighting you. Do You know, you're in a fight. You are in a fight. And the most naive Christian is to think that Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit's real, but there's really no fight. I'll just deal with my brokenness. I'll just deal with with my with my uh, pain. I'll, I'll deal with the addiction I have. I'll deal with it. No, the Lord is saying, I've called you to live victorious. I'm, I'm calling you to pour salt on that thing. Amen. Maybe maybe you guys aren't getting it yet. Maybe 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 you know maybe you just need more salt. Maybe there's just got to be some more salt poured out on this land. Amen? Amen. If anybody has the unction that the Lord is unctioning you to pour salt on something you've been fighting, go ahead, stand up and pour salt on it. Listen, here's the reality. You think I'm kind of crazy. I know there's people right here thinking I'm a little bit crazy, but let me try to make this legitimate for you. In Numbers 21, verse 4 to 9. The Israelites are being led by Moses through the wilderness. There's pain in the wilderness. There's brokenness in the wilderness. There's dryness in the wilderness. There's loneliness. There's broken relationships. There's all this pain that happens in the wilderness. And the people start complaining, thinking that God's not with them. Right? Starting with verse 21, verse Numbers 24, verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged. Is there anybody in here discouraged? And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our souls loathe this worthlessness. Is anybody's soul tired? From battling the war that you're in. Come on, be real. We got real last night. We got real transparent with some things last night. Restoration came in the room when transparency came. Amen? And, and it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a shameful thing to be transparent. Right? But where your responsibility lies is to be faithful and to expect God to move and not be a victim of that discouragement. Right? And so what does Moses do? Well, what does the Lord do? So what the Lord does is, is verse 6 says, this is an interesting scripture. It says, so the Lord sent fiery serpents, seraph, among the people. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. When you read that initially, you think, well, maybe they sent copperheads. Maybe the Lord just let some cobras loose. Ran through and everybody's getting bit. Ah, oh, did you get bit? Ah, oh, people died because they got snake bit, right? Is there anybody around you that has died in the spirit because you know they've been snake bit? Snake bit's a real thing. You have an enemy. We'll get to that in a minute. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. The word sin, I'm not, you know, I, I got on this last night. The word sin is not about the behavior of sin. I'm actually not concerned about your adultery. I'm actually not concerned about your fornication. I'm not concerned about um, you, you, uh, you know, talking about people, taking advantage of people, lying, stealing, chilling. I'm, I'm kind of not concerned about that. What I'm really concerned about that as being an evidence of your disconnection from God. 
Because all the behaviors, all everything that's described as sin in the Bible is actually the behavior, the outcrop of a disconnection from the living God who has the source of all life, who can conquer all sin, all death, and has victory over all things. Okay? So the issue is not your behavior. The issue is disconnection. Okay? So the people, after they were snake bit, after they were dry and weary, they were brought to a place of absolute desperation. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. Pray to the Lord that He may take away the serpents, the seraph. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery seraph and set it on a pool, a cross. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it, shall live. What, what were the prophecies at the beginning of the... Looking to what, Steve? Looking at Him, right? If when you look at the cross, when you set your eyes on the cross, the One who has power and authority over every serpent spirit, when He looks at it, He shall live. That's a prophecy. You shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent the word make a bronze serpent is very interesting. I believe what the Lord is saying here, and this kind of gets lost in the translation of what I believe actually happened. Just like David had power and authority to cut off a giant's head, I believe Moses was given power and authority to actually take a fallen angel and drape it on a cross. And you may say that's crazy, but here's the deal. A seraph, a fallen angel, is a serpent, Right? It is, a, it, it is a fallen serpent that is taken on the nature of Satan and it actually has power. The Lord backed off protecting the people because they walked away from Him and the Lord, think about this, they weren't just like cobras, copperheads. He left the fallen angels have their way with a people. God's people. Because they turned their eyes from Him. Anybody walk away from the Lord lately? Keep putting their eyes on something they shouldn't, even though you're in discouragement, even though you're, you feel broken, you feel lost, you feel taken advantage of. Don't take your eyes off the cross. Don't take your eyes off the cross because your enemy is thirsting and waiting to have his chance to devour a child of God. Jesus, actually in, a, in 1 Peter, Peter's, uh, Peter says, be sober and vigilant. For Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Right? So I don't care how discouraged you are, don't you dare take your eyes off that cross. Because whatever is put on the cross is defeated. Amen? So, here's the deal. Let's connect some more dots here. So Moses takes this fallen angel, puts it on the cross as a symbol of the authority that God gave Moses. To have power and authority over the fallen angels. If you don't think that's true, how in the world did Moses ultimately transfer power to Joshua and they were led into the land of promise where the Amorite kings, they were giants. How does a, how does a nation defeat giants if they don't see that God Himself has power over fallen angels? I didn't know any of this stuff until I had this crazy dream about salt. Okay? And I'm here to awaken you to the power of the salt covenant that, that the Lord has for every one of you. Okay? Amen? So here's the deal. 2 Corinthians 5.21 uh, says that sin 
was hung on the cross. Jesus became sin who knew no sin, meaning that he actually took upon himself all of all of the brokenness, everything of fallen man, the disconnection from God was put on Christ. It also says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ became a curse. That everything that man was cursed in because of sin, because of the disconnection with God, it was put on Christ. And so when the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the cross, He was conquering not only this religious perspective of what sin and the behaviors of sin are, it was meant to declare over you that even the fallen angels have been defeated. Even the the brokenness and pain, the curse that has followed your family bloodlines and the orphan uh, and, and everything that happens in broken families, all of that is put on the cross when Jesus, just like as a symbol of that fiery serpent was put on the cross, Jesus takes that same entity, that same power of sin, that separation, and He takes it to the grave. Amen? Amen? It, it's like, it feel, you feel like a washing in here right now, right? I mean, here's the deal, guys. Jesus is victorious over everything. He's victorious over every fallen angel. He's victorious over everything. But there are people on this earth that have given themselves to darkness. And when they go and wa- worship the darkness, it's, 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 it's actually the idol. The, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, that talks about that it's not just an idol, there's demons behind the idol, right? So they're not just worshiping a, fa- a, a serpent mound, they're worshiping the demonic entity, the fallen angel behind the symbol, right? But here's the deal Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do a couple things for you. One of them, Jesus said, I will send the Spirit of truth. He will, he will lead you into all things. And one of the things that He says He will do is He will judge sin. He will judge Satan himself. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you expect the Holy Spirit to judge your enemy? Well, here's the subtle thing. If you don't jump in and expect the Holy Spirit in judging what comes against you, you actually become a victim and you get bit by a serpent. Anybody here been bit by a serpent lately? Anybody been bit by brokenness? Anybody been bit by pain? By being in a desert? Anybody been bit by being alone? By drug addiction? By depression? Anybody been bit? God didn't didn't create depression. God didn't create brokenness. He didn't create orphanages. He didn't create any of that stuff. God created restoration. He created love. He he created um, power over those dark things. And so when He sent the Holy Spirit, He sent you one who would judge your enemy. Right? He He would position you in an authority where one of the three reasons why the Holy Spirit came. Let me read this real quick. Um, John uh, 16, verse 7 to 11, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Three things. Three salt covenant promises are, are right here. 
of sin because they do not believe me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world is judged is, a, is, a, is, a, is the, one of the reasons why um, the Holy Spirit was sent to judge your enemy, to judge bitterness, to judge brokenness. He actually is to convict you that you in Christ are victorious over the separation of sin. And that, and, and that victory of Christ on the cross actually paints you with the blood and Jesus sees you as righteous. You are not broken. You are not uh, responsible. You, you heard the man sing, you are not at fault. You are not at fault. The Holy Spirit is saying that to you today. You are not at fault. The reason why you think the, the thoughts and the things, it's not you, it's your enemy puking on you. Some of you have let the enemy puke on you for decades, yeah, and you've accepted it. Some of you have let the enemy puke on you, and you say, well, I'm just going to be depressed all my life. I'm just going to be an alcoholic all my life. I'm just going to be a prostitute all my life. That's the enemy uh, puking on you. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to convict your heart of the revelation that Jesus took sin to the cross, and when He died, He took it. He actually killed it. And when he was resurrected, he sent you the, the power of the Holy Ghost who would judge your enemy. And how many of us in our woeful thinking, because we actually are not pouring salt on the land, we're not pouring salt in our backyard, we're not pouring salt where we live, we're not pouring salt on our courthouse, and we just let the enemy have his way. We just let the president have his way. We let them. We let them. And the Lord is saying today, no longer am I letting Ohio just be a victim of the serpent. I'm calling you to arms, says the Lord. I'm calling you to a place of war, of battling and believing what I said to you. Amen? This is kind of different. You know, when wisdom speaks, it settles differently. It just sinks in. And I, I, I believe that the Lord is sinking something into you. There's an explanation. I didn't know this stuff. Six weeks ago, I did not know this stuff. But there's an explanation of the power of the serpent working in your life. And the Lord is saying, no more. No more in you. No more in your marriage. No more in your family. No more in your homes. No more in your city. No more in your courthouse. No more in the state of Ohio. I am chasing drugs out of the state of Ohio. I am chasing addiction out of the state of Ohio. And I'm looking for a people who would rise up and believe my promise was not only to David, but it came through my son to my sons and daughters that you would be salt covenant people and that you would pour out the salt. Luke 13:11. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Eighteen years she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from infirmity. It wasn't, she wasn't just sick. There's people around you that have cancer. It's not just cancer. There's people around you that go blind, that can't see that have crazy things happen in their life, 
It's not just a human thing sometimes. Your enemy blinds people. And I think I told this story here before, but there was a, there was a young boy that they brought up in the prayer line in India. He was shaking. Two guys were holding him. And when I laid my hand on him, the kid flew backward like five feet. He, he sits up and he starts to talk. And there was an old guy standing right beside him in the prayer line. He falls to his knees and he starts to scream. And the only thing I could make out coming out of his mouth was Jesus. So I stop and I ask the interpreter, what's going on here? And the interpreter listens for a couple minutes. He comes back over to me. There's, there's hundreds of people in the prayer line, right? And I'm just, I'm kind of antsy because I want to get moving. But this is like, I, this is like an amazing thing. I don't know what's going on here. So anyway, the interpreter starts talking to me and, and explaining that when this boy was 14, he was normal. He could walk, talk. He was intelligent, everything. He went to bed one night and he woke up the next day. He couldn't talk. He couldn't hear. And he was violent. He was violent to the point that he would hurt himself and he would hurt the people around him. Coincidence? Or demonic? India, they, they worship idols. They worship everything. And, and, and deaf mutes, blind people, they're, they're rampant. I mean, I'm talking, I can have a, a 5,000 people and there would be 50 deaf mutes out, out of that many people. It's crazy. But here's the deal. The reason I'm telling you this is the power of the demonic, the serpent that actually hunts people down to take things from them, takes their sight, takes their health, takes their hearing, takes their heart. Do you think that because you go to church, you know, Jesus said this to the lukewarm church, you're you're numb, You're, you're, you're not only numb to me, you're numb to the reality of the world you live in. Are you are you numb or are you recognizing you're in a fight? That you are in a fight that you are you can't afford to lose. That you have to actually pour out salt no matter how you feel. No matter how hard it gets. No matter what stands against you. You've got to be pouring salt on the land that you stand on. Because that is God's promise to you. And either He's true or He's a liar. And I'm here to tell you my God is not a liar. Amen? So the power of, of the demonic. There's stuff happening around you guys. It's not coincidence. It's not just happenstance that, that power has come in from a source to try to separate many of your relationships. That just doesn't happen. That's not just happen chance. You are in a fight. You are in a battle. And last night we went through this process of restoration and I believe today the Lord is, is, is turning the tables on your enemy that not only is He here to restore your heart, it's actually to gaze on His cross, to gaze on His resurrection, to gaze on the power of that stone being rolled away, to gaze on the fact that Jesus did not leave you orphan. He actually said to Himself, I did not leave you alone. I have come to you. I ascend into heaven and I send the power of My Spirit who will convict the world, who will judge your enemy. It's almost like you're playing poker and you've got like... A, a, a straight flush in your hand. There's no way you lose, but yet you're afraid to put the cards down on the table because of the bluffing that your enemy's doing on the table. You have the winning hand. You cannot lose in the kingdom of heaven. It may require a fight to overcome something, but you have a straight flush in your hand. It's, it's undefeatable. And your enemy's sitting there putting money on the thing and you don't think you have enough money to cover the pot if you lose so you don't actually you're not you're not actually uh answering the bluff 
and putting money in on the pot. So you let the enemy take your cash. The enemy is taking many of your dreams. He's stealing things from you that should not be stolen because there are dreams in your heart that you are supposed to launch out in this community. There are things you are supposed to do that are supposed to rock this community and bring broken, orphaned people back into the house of God and give them a chance at life instead of you walking around like you're some victim. The Lord has equipped you with a salt bag that will never run out. And he's waiting for people to get the unction, the, the, the righteous anger in their heart and say, no more, no more, no more, no more will I let Satan steal from me. He's a thief and he's stealing from God's people. He steals dreams. He steals things that are supposed to be yours. It's your birthright to see that serpent, that seraph, that fallen angel, that demonic power, that broken pain, that depression, that thing that haunts you. It's your birthright to see that thing hang on that cross. Jesus became sin. He became that serpent, that willing thing that where serpent was eating the dust of the earth, your flesh. That's what Satan eats. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit, a soul, and flesh. And when the Lord said, you will lick the dust of the earth, you, he licks your flesh. And when he breaks through your flesh, he gets to your soul. And when he breaks your soul, he breaks your spirit. And that's what I sense. That's why the Lord came with restoration last night, because I sense people being weary. I sense people being a victim of the serpent. And the Lord says, I'm not only here to restore your spirit, I'm here to restore your soul, and I'm here to restore your ability to walk in this house, to walk in your house, to walk in this city, to walk where the Lord has called you to walk. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I am the salt of the earth. earth. Jesus, Jesus, I am the salt of the earth. I'm not a victim. I am the victor, and I declare war over everything that has been stolen from me, that's been taken from me, that I've even been deceived and handed over. I sit at the poker table, and I will never be bluffed again because my hand is unbeatable. That pot of money is mine. I'm I'm a winner. I'm not a loser. It's rigged in my favor. It's rigged in my favor. It's rigged. Satan's only power over you is deception. And you've accepted your brokenness, your limitation for so long that Although you hear the church cliches and even spiritual guys say certain things, people don't actually go back to their house, expect the Lord to talk to them, knock on his door till he speaks and start pouring out salt in places where he tells you to go. Tabby pours salt on a city that has power over this nation. 
And I don't know where this is coming from, but there's a righteousness, there's an anger rising up in me because some of you don't realize the call that's upon this house. Some of you go through church motions because you come and you feel the presence of God, but you're not connected in the purpose and the call that's on this house. Do you not realize that when somebody is called to prophesy over the city where the president of a nation sits, it's because the Lord is awaking a people with a purpose to do something supernatural and for you to know that there is a victory that will come out of your mouth and that your children will see their parents believing in God, not a victim of this thing on earth that you are a subject of the system. That, oh my God, I heard God and I'm going to the serpent mouths to pour salt. I'm going to the, to the Washington, D.C. where this president rules and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to prophesy and my words are going to land on that president. My words are going to land and change something in this city. You are not a victim. You are the salt of the earth. And it's about time that you rise up and you start to prophesy the word of the Lord over the things that have taken you captive, imprisoned you, broken your heart. And the Lord is actually awakening an army in here today. He's awakening people who would say, I am not just going to sit in my chair anymore. You see, you can even fake it. You can come up in praise and worship. You can put your hands up in the air. But when you go home, you don't actually seek him out to hear him and then prophesy what he is saying. Because what he says to you is gospel. A lot of people think that that book in your hand is the gospel. Let me tell you something. Galatians 3.8 says this, that the gospel was preached to Abraham in a dream. The gospel... The fullness of Christ, all power, all authority was preached to Abraham in a dream before there even was a Bible. The early church did not have a Bible, but what they had was a connection in the spirit that when the Lord spoke, they went into cities and Macedonia got wrecked in the Holy Ghost. If Ephesus got wrecked in the Holy Ghost because somebody heard God and they went and they started pouring salt on that land. So I'm asking you here today, will you pour salt? Will you pour salt? Will you be the salt of the earth? Will you be the salt of the earth? Is there anybody here that would say, I will be the salt of the earth? My job is not just to come to church on Sunday. You see, traditional church, traditional, many, many people are just victims of traditional church. You either even come to, to church that maybe has an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you, be, you become just a victim of the system. But the Lord is awakening people to enter His army, to step into a high calling, to hear His voice and actually execute His will. Amen? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. There's two aspects of this, guys. There's two aspects of this. One is that you as an individual... Fight things. You, as an individual, every one of us have a fight. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be transparent with you. My family fights depression. My family fights fear. My family fights anxiety. We're actually talking last night with with Stephen Tabby. I had to actually train my middle daughter. My daughter would wake up in the middle of the night and shake with fear, and I got. I had to get up multiple times a week for several years with her 
And I would sit on her bed with her at 2 a.m. as she shook. And I would pray with her. And I would teach her how to command fear to leave her. And teach her about what Jesus has done and accomplished. And that she has power over the devil. And she shook in fear, but she started to believe. And things started to come out of her mouth. And she started to learn to prophesy and believe beyond what she felt. I feel those things. I still feel those things. When I go to India, there's some nights I wake up in the middle of the night and my body is shaking, but there's a fire on the inside of me. And even though I'm desperately in need of sleep, I get up after only a couple hours knowing that I have to preach all day long, but I start to pray because I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to fight the thing that's going to resist the people from having an encounter with God that day because the Lord is calling me to fight something. The Lord is calling you to fight something. You are not a victim of, your church, of, of, your, of the curse that has followed your bloodline. You are not a victim of it. Because, but, but the Lord says, I'm here to awaken a belief in you that is beyond this world. You have to believe that I have power over what your dad dealt with, over what your mother dealt with, over what your grandmother dealt with. All those curses. We're going to crush those things. We're going to put those things on the cross today. And we are going to crush the serpent's head. But here's the other thing. There's a purpose that's going to be amplified on this house. Your children are being brought into the war of this nation. You've you got to grasp the reality of what is being, your children are being called into. You have a woman who's hearing God about a call to pray in the place of rulership of this nation. And then the children are being brought in to the war. And when they're in the midst of the battle, they're having visions. They're having dreams. They're hearing the gospel. They are not actually opening the Bible to try to find answers. They are hearing the gospel spoken in dream and vision. And they are seeing their, their, their parents, their people around them prophesy. And they're seeing the atmosphere around them change. You are called to change the atmosphere where you live. If your house is depressed... Shame on you. Fight that depression. If your house is is broken with sickness, fight the sickness. Fight the sickness. You know, in the the last, I'm going to say four months, I've had about six people healed instantly from cancer, lung cancer. And prophetically, when the person would stand in front of me, I would see this big black mass. And suddenly I would see the hand of the Lord come down and pull it out. And I would prophesy that, I would say, do you have cancer? And they would say, yes. I said, where is it? They would say, their lungs. And I say, the hand of the Lord is reaching inside of you and pulling out that dark mass. It's pulling out that demonic power. You are healed in the name of Jesus. And they would come back to me a week later. I, got, I went to the doctor. And I, I don't have cancer anymore. Okay? I'm here to encourage you that what the Lord shows you He will execute the vision. Amen? So if you are in need of something, if you are in need to pour out salt, I invite you to come up here. Pour salt out as a prophetic act that you are not a victim of that thing anymore, but that you are pouring the salt of the Lord, the promise of the Lord upon that thing. But here's the other thing. The Lord is recruiting people not to sit back in their chairs to engage in the purpose that's upon this house. And I'm just telling you, I had no... I wasn't even thinking about this today. 
but it's on me. There's a righteous anger that if people don't engage in the purpose of, of what is upon a house, you're wasting your time. It's cool that you're here, but if you don't engage, if you don't pursue, if you don't realize that the Lord has a purpose for you, why are you on earth? Why are you here? Come on, man. The Lord is raising up an army in these last days. He's looking for people to fight against the establishment, to fight against the entities that come to steal life from you. But as you come up, just say this with me. If, if, if you want to be, uh, if you want to step into this army of purpose that the Lord has on this house, that you, if you will pray into this purpose, if you actually go places where the prophetic people of this house get visions and say, we're supposed to go here and pray, we're supposed to pour salt on this area over here. If that's you, just, I invite you to come up, just stand up and I'm going to pray with you right now. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I am the salt of the earth. And from this day forward, I enter the purpose of Christ to crush the head of the serpent, to not be a victim, but a victor. And I will walk in authority. Luke 10, 19 is my, is my scripture. Behold, I give you power to tread upon the serpent and the scorpion and over all the supernatural power of the devil. Every fallen angel is under my foot. Sickness is under my foot. Disease is under my foot. Broken spirit is under my foot. Being orphaned is under my foot. I am resurrected in Christ. And I look to the cross. Where all pain, all sickness, all disease, every demonic thing has been beaten by Jesus. In Jesus' name. I know the resurrection. In Jesus' name, I know the resurrection. I am not in a tomb. I am resurrected in Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I take authority over every unclean spirit. Especially over spirits who have come into my family coming into my church family and tried to sever relationships. I break your power. I command you to go because the love of Jesus is stronger than anything. And I prophesy to Ohio, love is coming for you. To the north, love is coming for you. To the south, love is coming for you. To the east, love is coming for you. To the west, love is coming for you. I take back Ohio. In Jesus' name, people will look at Ohio 
place of resurrection. People will look at Ohio and see the serpent on the cross. They will not look to the serpent mound. They will look to the serpent on the cross. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life. 